This is the Booze Tutor Podcast. And class is in session once again here on the WGOB Network. So it's time, like we always do, to pull up a chair, get comfortable, and let's get that medicine in you. Now, if you're joining us for the first time here on the Booze Tutor Podcast, essentially what it is is the no frills, no thrills kind of educational uh, segment that we used to do at the beginning of the GOB TV, Gorilla Booze TV show on YouTube at the WGOB Network on YouTube channel. Uh, in an effort to shorten that show down, we decided to launch the Booze Tutor podcast. So instead of talking about it, kind of educational stuff, quote unquote, in the beginning of that show, we spun it off into its own podcast. We go session by session, each time looking at a different beer style until we run out, and then we'll move on to other forms of liquor and wine and, and such. By all means, if you're behind, go back to the other couple of episodes, take a look at Standard American Lagers, take a look at the cream ales, uh, as well as our introductory episode, which tells you kind of what all this is, where all this is coming from and where all the information is coming from. Again, all information brought to you on the show is some, some, for, some combination of uh, the Brudex app, of the Beer Judge Certification Program gui- uh, style guidelines, uh, a check-in here or two, or here and there with uh, beeradvocate.com, draftmagazine.com, a little bit of Imbibe Magazine, and then the rest just knowledge that I've picked up along the way kind of sprinkled in. So now that we've got that out the way, this week we take a look at the Blondale. The Blondale sometimes can be called interchangeably a golden ale. So if I flip back and forth between the two, I apologize ahead of time. Uh, the Blondale and the golden ale kind of occupy the same, I guess, the same space in the, in the craft beer world. I also said at the end of last time's episode that the Blondale didn't have a, uh, an entry in the Beer Judge Certification Program. Uh, it turns out I'm an idiot and uh, can't read, and I just skimmed over it, so I don't know what happened there. So, of course, the Blondale is in the BJCP uh, style guidelines. Uh, it's important, though, that it's not the, the North. This is now we're going to talk about the North American Blondale because uh, you don't want to confuse it with either the Belgian Blonde or the English Golden Ale, two very, very different styles that we'll look into, you know, you know, episodes after episode from now. We'll, we'll look at both of those. But you don't want to confuse the North American Blonde Ale with either of these two beers. It's very different. The history of the North American Blonde Ale is actually fairly short, comparatively speaking, to other styles. So this may end up being one of the shorter episodes because there's just not that much history about it. Um, truthfully, its origins can be traced back to the 1970s. Um, it's a, it's a version that originated in North America. So specifically it's a flat out American born style. So with some of the cream ales, well, not even the cream ales, the cream ales are more American, but some, some lager styles and, uh, some other ales can trace the roots back to Ireland, to England, to Germany, to, uh, the Dutch, you know, people that brought their beers over with them. This style is purely American, born in the United States. It's an American style. Uh, it really cemented the Blondale, that is, uh, during the, I guess, the boom period of the, the craft, the American craft brewery movement. So as with the previous entries that we've done so far, the Blondale, is an, it's, an, it's considered to be an easy drinker. Uh, but it's more complex than both the standard American lager as well as the cream ale. The Blondale is really designed uh, to be sort of a gateway, I guess. So the craft brewers 
this is like their they jokingly this is like their their gateway drug so craft brewers have developed this beer to kind of be the gateway for more mass market you know plain ordinary beer drinkers to experience more flavorful or intense or even diverse beers uh interestingly speaking about that the blondale it can be viewed as a step up uh, and a true almost craft beer to those who are drinking mass market beers the flip side of that is your hardcore craft beer drinkers tend to view the blondale uh as boring you know people that have moved on to your more intense styles of beer usually look at a blondale and think of it as boring so the Blondale occupies a very strange place uh, in the, uh, specifically the American craft beer lexicon. Now, in response to more hardcore uh, craft beer drinkers kind of moving on from the Blondale style, a lot of today's breweries have really tried to push the limits of the style in an attempt to woo these drinkers back. You know, these are your hardcore IPA drinkers and pale ales and such. Uh, try to see if you can get them back into the world of the Blondale. That what this has done, it's 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 really created a very diverse cross section of what you could get when you order a Blondale. It's almost like uh, playing Russian roulette. You know, spin, rolling the dice. You never know exactly what you're going to get until that first sip hits you. I mean, you can get anything from something that's very bright and hoppy to something very fruity to simply something very simple and easy drinking. You know, you're not going to really know until you order it. Now, some Western versions of the style, West Coast style can actually border, you know, right on the edge of being a pale ale uh, when you consider the, you know, its intensity and its assertiveness. Um, it can it can tiptoe into the pale ale realm as opposed to the more kind of Eastern styles. Now, having said that, the Blonde Ale is still generally designed to be the least challenging and most approachable beer in any tap room's lineup. Uh, at its simplest explanation... Blondale is really considered to be the brew pub alternative to your standard American lager. So, what makes a Blondale a Blondale? Generally speaking, they're all malt, but in some cases they can include like 25% wheat malt and then some sugar adjuncts mixed in. Uh, they can be made, Blondales can be made with any variety of hops. There's no set hop. and In fact, you'll see some places that make Blondales you know, with Citra or Blondales with Mosaic or, or you know, as far as hops. Uh, now, as far as yeast strains, it can be anything from a clean American yeast to a lightly fruited kind of English yeast, all the way to a straight up Kolsch yeast. And if you're looking for proof of the fact that the, the Blonde uh, style can be all over the place, it can also be made with lager yeast or sometimes even cold conditioned, which is a technique more famously used with lagers. Versions of the Blondale can have fruit added, uh, or even some some honey or some spices, but these additions shouldn't really be anything but more uh, more than a background flavor. However, if the flavor ends up as more than a background flavor, then according to the strict guidelines of the Beer Judge Certification Program, the beer should be entered into an, uh, another specialty category as opposed to it being a Blondale, because it wouldn't be considered a blonde ale any longer, at least by their standards. So as you can see, there's, I mean, really quite a tightrope you have to walk uh, if you want to, you know, push the boundaries while brewing a blonde ale. Because if you go too far in one direction, suddenly you're 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 a pale ale or you're something else. So it's it's a really fine line. So now the important stuff, 
You, cr you get yourself a Blondale, you crack it open, pour it into the glass. It's cold. It looks great. It should be very, very clear, generally speaking. Now, we'll talk about when it's not clear a little bit at the end. But generally speaking, it should be very, very clear. Uh, it should be a light yellow to almost a deep kind of golden color. There should be a low to medium white head. And that head retention should be fairly good. Now, it might be worth pausing here because this this podcast is very much designed to appeal to you know, your layman, your every your everyday person that maybe isn't obsessed with craft beer, doesn't spend a lot of time in the craft beer world, and is just trying to get a sense of craft beer. So let me not take for granted that everyone just assumes what head retention or you know, knows what head retention is. So head retention essentially head is the foam at the top of a beer. I'm sure everybody knows that. Uh, it's formed by CO2 bubbles rising through the beer. So obviously the more CO2, the more bubbles in your beer. So head retention is a beer's ability to hold that nice uh, foamy head for an extended period of time. And really there's two main contributors uh, as far as the length of head retention. Now those two contributors are, are proteins and isohumulones. Isohumulones are the alpha acids uh, that, that are produced from hops during the brewing process. So simply speaking, generally speaking, you know, beers with more proteins and beers that are, are more highly hopped will have a, a, a higher head retention, at least generally. So we'll, chime, we'll, we'll tag back into the Blondale. So the Blondale and its aroma now. Uh, Smell-wise, it's, it's a light to moderate, sweet kind of maltiness. There could be a light breadiness or even kind of a caramelly note in the in the aroma as well. It is considered acceptable if there's a low to moderate fruitiness in the aroma. But if you remember from the beginning, the fruitiness should be kind of a background player. It should be fairly subtle. It can have a low to medium hop aroma and the hops can really reflect nearly any variety. Uh, the most common notes that you'll find though from these hops are uh, citrusy, floral notes, fruitiness, or even like a spicy note. So now you get your first sip, you're done You're done sticking your nose in your beer, you get your first sip. The mouthfeel is going to be fairly smooth. It's rarely going to be heavy. It's, 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 almost, it's almost never heavy. The body of the beer is medium light to light. And you're going to have uh, medium all the way up to really high carbonation in the Blondale style. Your flavors, they're going to be a little bit more complex than the previous beer styles that we've spoken about. That's the standard American lager and the, you know, it's, it's light lager sibling as well as the cream ales. There should be a soft malty sweetness in there, uh, but there could also be some, you know, bread uh, some toasted bread, a little bit of biscuit or wheat, you know, like a wheat flavor present in the, in the taste. There could be some low caramel color notes, uh, but typically caramel flavors are absent, uh, even though you may pick some up in the nose. Occasionally there's going to be some low to medium fruity esters that can be present in the beer. And if you're at home saying, well, what the hell's an ester? Don't worry. I got you covered. This is what I do. Uh, esters are the fruity flavors that are produced during fermentation. They can have various tastes from, you know, bananas, which you'll, you'll find in like your hefts and stuff, uh, to pears, 
flowers, you know, roses, other really light fruits. Those are your, your more common uh, ester flavors. Basically, they're formed, the esters are, by acids reacting with the ethanol in, in your beer. Now, Blonde Ales can have a light to moderate hop flavor. But again, like we've heard a million times, the flavor should never be over aggressive. It should be subtle. It should be in the background. Uh, bitterness should be medium low to low. Now, all of that said, the balance in the beer, it tends to skew uh, towards the malt more so than the hops. Or sometimes it's it'll just be even between the malt and the hops. Now, the finish of the sip, it tends to be a kind of a medium dry, uh, slightly malty sweet. But realistically, the sweet impression that you get uh, on the sip is typically more a result of the lower bitterness that's in the beer, as opposed to there being any actual kind of residual sweetness. As far as the technical specs, your ABV, your alcohol by volume, you're going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 3.8% to 5.5%. So you're still talking about a low alcohol, sessionable beer, sessionable being, you know, a, you can have multiple beers in a session. Uh, your IBUs, your bitter, your bittering units are going to be about between 15 and 28. And then your reference model, uh, as your SRM, you're going to be between three and six. Ultimately, no matter what else, you know, what people try to do, it's still a lighter beer, the Blondale. So it pairs best with your, still your, your more bland stuff, like the other two styles that we've looked at so far. So you're talking about, you know, salads, chicken, some seafood, uh, Monterey Jack cheese, even like a lemon custard, actually, it pairs pretty well with. Some of your more commercial examples, uh, some of these names you will have heard of, of course, uh, Kona's Big Wave, Golden Ale, uh, Ballast Points, Benito are probably the two most common that are out there. You've got um, Red Hook's Blonde Ale, you got Rogue Oregon Golden Ale, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, Deschutes River Ale, uh, New Belgium Somersault. Victory Summer Love is is one of these beers. Uh, and you, so you have those, and you travel the road all the way to even Eureka from Treehouse Brewing is also another, another blonde ale. So this is probably as good of a point as any to circle back to something I was saying in the beginning where breweries are kind of pushing the envelope or pushing the limits of what a blonde ale is now to the point where it's a, you know it can be an either end of the spectrum. So as an example, I'll just let's just take a look at two different Blondales and see how completely different they are. First is from uh, Ballast Point Brewing in San Diego, California. They have their Blondale. It's called Benito. Now I know that some of you at home have some pretty strong feelings about Ballast Point because they're another brewery that's sold out, but they were bought by Constellation Brands. So in my, in my opinion, Constellation Brands is the lesser of three evils when we're talking about the uh, big beer, you know, the big, the, big, the big companies. That said, though, they still make very good beers. They have a uh, Habanero Sculpin, which is very good. And along the same lines, th th their Benita is a very good representation of a blonde ale. So listen to some of the wording that Ballast Point uses for their version of the blonde ale, though. It's a brew that, this is from their website. It's a brew that draws you in with its golden color. It's got a soft malt character, a light mouthfeel, and a dry finish. And there's a subtle hint of hops. So that's more of what we were talking about. Everything is subtle, soft, golden color, clear, you know, those kinds of words that you come to expect with the Blondale. 
So keep all of those adjectives in mind when we talk about now breweries that are pushing the envelopes of the Blondale style. And of course, we, we arrive in Charlton, Massachusetts at Treehouse, who has their Blondale called Eureka. They do make it with different hops, but for our purposes, we'll focus more on the Eureka with Citro, the more common one that you see uh, more often. They, so earlier we mentioned that flavors generally skew more towards the malt side of things, and you see that even with Ballast Points Benito, where they talk about the malt, or it even being uh, you know, kind of an even, an even split between the malt and the hops. That is definitely not the case here with Eureka. Uh, Treehouse, again, from their, from their own site, Treehouse describes Eureka as being hop saturated. So full of hops, uh, but they still call it delicate or refined. And rather than, than talk about subtle fruitiness, they proclaim to that Eureka is, uh, exploding with citrus fruit on both your nose and your palate with just a bit of a crackery note. So you can see the immediate differences in how Benito is marketed versus how Eureka is marketed. And you can see both ends of the, the Blondale spectrum. And of course, being a treehouse beer, uh, beer, it, the, the, the pour, the look skews far more hazy than it does clear. Again, the Benito talks about being, you know, a clear golden color. Eureka is very much a hazy, more yellow color. Eureka is actually held in some pretty high regards in treehouse. Actually, their head brewer, Nate, talked about uh, with Paste Magazine or with Paste.com anyway. Uh, they talk, he talked about Eureka pretty highly, like pretty in depth. I'll just read a, a, a small sampling from the interview. Uh, Pace Magazine asked, you've made some incredibly hoppy beers. Which are you most proud of and why? And Nate says, Eureka is my proudest hoppy beer achievement. Now, th- there you go. Think again about what we talked about, and now it's being described as hoppy. And again, it's a Blondale. It's a beautiful and delicate representation of hops, yet it still has balls. The weedy, biscuity finish of it is super unique, and I love I love that about it. It's also the scariest beer for me to brew because any flaws in the process can so easily be exposed in such a delicate beer. And again, that's uh, from Paste.com, an interview that Paste did with Nate, uh, looks like two years ago, 2016. But that shows you there. So now you're talking about a blonde ale, but you're still, you know, and about how delicate it is and this and that. But you're still now talking about how hoppy and hop forward you're making it, which kind of clashes with the style. But again, it shows the two different avenues, the two different thinking when it comes to uh, brewing the blonde ale. But speaking just in general terms, the Blonde Ale, the North American Blonde Ale anyway, uh, is an easy drinking, very approachable beer for mass market drinkers. Uh, for those thinking of dipping their toe into the craft beer world but are scared off by some of the IPAs or even some of the, the stouts or the pastry stouts or some of the more aggressive stuff that's out there in your brew pubs and your breweries, you have the Blonde Ale. It is considered actually the brew pub alternative to standard American lager like we talked about and Blondale is going to be just simple, well-rounded, and smooth. And with all of its history and roots here in the United States, it's a true American classic style. Well, there's the bell, so we'll wrap up. And that's what we do here on the Booze Tutor. We get in, we give you some info, and we get out. No frills, no thrills, no, no jokes, just kind of dropping some knowledge on you. With that said... Follow us on all forms of social media, at Gorillas of Booze on Instagram, at the Booze Gorillas on Twitter, and Gorillas of Booze on Facebook. 
The big thing is WGOB Network. WGOB Network on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play. That's the home of all of our, our audio shows uh, where you'll find the Booze Tutor. And in September, we will launch Gorillas of Booze Radio, which we're very excited about. We've been working on for a while. Uh, it's actually going to launch as part of a sort of a two-part celebration for the launch of Gorillas of Booze TV Season 2 on our YouTube channel, which again is WGOB Network. And with that, we'll say class dismissed. My name is Doug. I represent those Gorillas of Booze. And this is the Booze Tutor Podcast. See you next time.